Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we look at your Son's promise to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples, we ask you that you send the same Spirit to work through the words of today's sermon, so that we may have complete trust in your word and confidence as we use it. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the Gospel History according to St. John, as recorded in chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Come Holy Light, guide divine, and cause the word of life to shine. Teach us to know our God aright, and call Him Father with delight. From every error keep us free, let none but Christ our Master be. That we in living faith abide, in Him our Lord, with all our might confide. Alleluia, alleluia. We sang those words, but you were praying. This is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther, in his large catechism in explaining the work of the Holy Spirit, said his name says it all. He enters your heart through the word. He creates faith in that word. Therefore, with that faith, you receive the blood of Christ that washes your sins away. The Holy Spirit makes you holy because he gives birth to that new person that clings to Christ. That is faith. That is the biblical definition of faith. The Holy Spirit living in you, having given birth to a new person that's alive in Christ and clinging to Christ, knowing the promises of the word are true. Now, Jesus speaks the words of today's text to the apostles. It's actually still probably in the upper room after he's instituted the Lord's Supper at Passover. He hasn't started to make his way to Garden of Gethsemane yet. They already believe in him. They believe he's the Messiah. They're confused on a few things. So when he promises to send them the Holy Spirit, he's promising to send them an extra gift, extra gifts from the Holy Spirit to guide them. And as he says at the end of our text to the, to the disciples, we can apply also to your lives. Our sermon theme today is the Holy Spirit keeps your hearts from turmoil and fear. Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain beside you. The disciples were expecting a different kind of Messiah. They trusted that Jesus was the Messiah. They confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, true God and true man. But he wasn't the Messiah they wanted. They wanted a political Messiah, a worldly king. They wanted a worldly kingdom with riches and wealth. They wanted to sit on his right hand and left hand and be his generals and advisors in a worldly kingdom. And when Jesus sets out for Jerusalem about a month earlier, he says to them, we're going to gradually make our way up to Jerusalem there and I'm going to be betrayed to the Sanhedrin and I'm going to die for your sins and rise. Peter, acting as the spokesman, rebukes the Lord. Stop talking this way. This is ridiculous. That's not what you're here for. And Jesus tells him, get thee behind me, Satan, for you have in mind the things of men, not the things of God. So how can we be confident that the word they wrote down is right? He warned them, even during Holy Week, time and time again, that he was going to be betrayed, arrested, and handed over, die, and rise again. 
And it seems to come as a shock to them that night when Judas comes up and kisses him and they all flee as he's arrested. How can we be confident that what they wrote is true? When you look at world history, most world religions depend on the writings of one person. If that one person is a sham, that whole religion falls. Even in America, we have homegrown cults where people have claimed to get revelations from God and stuff, claiming to be Christians. If that one person is proved to be a sham, the whole religion crumbles. Not so the Bible. God used the apostles, the eyewitnesses, and the evangelists to write the New Testament. The Bible is the witness of many, many people. But there's something different. Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain beside you. Now the counselor, the Greek word that's, that's recorded there that's used for counselor is, is a paraclete one called to the side to help. He says, so now the one that's called to the side to help, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in connection with my name, that counselor will teach all things to you and remind you of everything which I myself spoke to you. While Jesus was present, Jesus was teaching them. Pentecost Sunday, they receive that Holy Spirit as was promised. Over the course of the next 60 years, he will inspire the apostles and the evangelists to write the word. But according to the Bible, there's one author, the Holy Spirit. And he inspired those men. He reminded those men to write down what they wrote. The result of this is if you have four people who see something in the room and each one's at a different corner, you're going to get a different perspective. Unbelievers call that say that those different perspectives are contradictions. They affirm the fact that there's one writer. Each man, John writing with his style, uh, writing what he saw. John Mark writing with Peter telling him what he had seen. Matthew, another disciple. Luke, an evangelist who had accompanied these things. They all show up from a different perspective. But they all show that same author and common purpose. The Holy Spirit enters your heart when you hear the message that God became a man and died for you. It's not do your best and God will do the rest. It's a free gift. God gave it to you unconditionally. Then he gives you the faith so that you cling to it, so that it is yours. The Holy Spirit keeps your hearts from turmoil and fear, from the fear that God's word is wrong. Because he inspired the evangelists and the apostles. He reminded the apostles. And he still works through that word today to bring you to faith, to keep you in the faith. Because while that Holy Spirit living in our hearts has given us that new man, we have that old sinful nature that refuses to believe the word, refuses to believe salvation is a free gift. So the Holy Spirit leads us time and time again to hear that word which assures us that Christ is true God, true man, who's done it all for us. The word of God is not based on just one man's testimony. It's on many. He inspired them to do this. So the Holy Spirit keeps your hearts from turmoil and fear that God's word is wrong. You can bank on it and rely on it for your salvation. In verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving peace for you. I give my own peace to you. Not in the way the world gives, am I on my part giving to you. Do not let your hearts be in turmoil, nor be afraid. How does the world give? The world gives looking out for number one. 
Rarely does the world give a gift without a reason. Usually attached, if you give something free, it's because the person is your child or your relative. Or they're a good friend that gives lots to you, and so you are generous with them. This world has a principle. It says there's no such thing as a free lunch. And how does the world give peace? The world's peace, we see in war after war among governments, and that tends to be, we'll agree to cease firing at each other. But we have these conditions. So the peace is conditional. And lots of times it happens that those countries that claim to be at peace, one of them takes advantage of that supposed peace to sucker punch the other one. This world's peace really isn't very much peace at all, is it? It's conditional, it's untrustworthy, it's very flimsy. Jesus' peace to you is not conditional. Actually, there is one condition, but it supplies it as the gift. It asks, it says, God has done all the work and has freely given you salvation. It asks that you believe it. It demands that you believe it. But again, the Holy Spirit, working through the word he inspired, uses that same word to enter and reassure your heart so that you believe it. So even your faith is a gift from God. This gives you peace. Too many Christians get confused and they lose their peace because they think their faith is a decision they make. I've looked at the evidence, I've weighed it out. Great. What happens when you get a mental disease like dementia and you're not capable of those decisions? Then are you still at faith? I can be confident and you can be. If that happens to you, you'll still be at faith because it's God, the Holy Spirit, living in your heart, not your decision. And the peace God gives is not a temporary setting down of arms, no bullets flying. Jesus Christ removed your sin, pours his blood upon you daily. The peace you have is that God is not ruling the world against you as your enemy. The peace you have is if you die today, you need not fear hell, which is what sinners like you and I deserve. The peace you have is God has freely given you the gift and given you, as, an, as part of that gift, the faith to cling to it. I already mentioned, the Bible stands out from most holy books because it does not depend on the witness of one person. But the biggest way it stands out, and there's no other religion that teaches this, and sadly too many Christians get confused on this. The Bible is the only book that teaches you it's a free gift. God won it for you gives it to you, sends his Holy Spirit to you so that you cling to it. Too often churches make that conditional. Grace plus works. Do your best and God will do the rest. Be sorry enough and then God will forgive you. Give the right amount of offerings. No. God gives you the gift. You'll not find another religion like that because all the others, you have to grease God's ego if you want to get something out of God. Not the Bible. That shows that either all the other religions have something this one has or the rest are wrong. Not depending on one witness, but many. This is a peace we have that, that gives us peace knowing my forgiveness. I screw up every day. I struggle with my sinful nature. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I lose. My salvation is in my Savior's hand, the triune God's hand. And so it gives us peace. Peace from the fear and turmoil that we must earn the gift. So that when our sinful nature that remains with us whispers in our ears, 
how could you do this one? God won't forgive it. Or you haven't been holy enough. We can tell it, be quiet. That's not how the gift works. It truly is a gift. Jesus still pours his blood upon me. Now, that doesn't mean that we say God's going to forgive me, so I run out and I'm just going to embrace sin and live it up. No, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your heart gives you peace that that law that condemns you, damns you and I to hell saying you're unholy, you're unholy, you're unholy. That law, our perspective on it also now becomes, that law tells us, this is how I can thank and worship God. Because God has credited me with Christ's holiness, I'm not going to do it perfectly in this life. I will struggle with my sinful nature, as the law shows me, as my guide. And that also gives us peace. And so we see the Holy Spirit keeps your heart from turmoil and fear that God's word is wrong. In other words, lets you know it's correct and you can bank on it, you can trust on it. And that we must, it keeps us from the fear and turmoil that we must earn the gift. Because the minute we think we have to earn the gift, we just never know if we've done enough, do we? It takes away all peace and security. But if we step back and look at this text as a whole, looking at it, removing uh, the turmoil and fear in our hearts, looking at our salvation, looking at God sending the Holy Spirit, there's a really big message there. Remember I said the word that gets translated as counselor in Greek, paraclete, means one called to the side to help. The Holy Spirit keeps your hearts from turmoil and fear that you must go at it alone. Christ alone earned your salvation. You can lose it if you stop trusting in it. But you're not in it alone. The Holy Spirit who entered your heart and created that new person, He leads, that through that new person leads you to come time and time again to that word, to hear the promises and be reassured that they apply to you as a free gift. Oh yes, and life is tough. The world was subject to decay. Even when our friends and family abandon us, we recognize we're not in this world alone. The Holy Spirit's living in your heart. You're intimately connected to your Savior. You're saved. You're never alone in this world. God is always with you. Keeps you from the idea that you must go at it alone, as I've already mentioned, that you have to earn it on your own or even contribute to it. There's a wonderful comfort Jesus gives us. The Holy Spirit gives us faith. And we see that the Holy Spirit keeps your heart from turmoil and fear. From the turmoil and fear that God's word is wrong. From the turmoil and fear that you must earn the gift, which always puts you in turmoil, wondering if you've been good enough or done enough. And he keeps you from the turmoil and fear that you must go at it alone. Because God has intimately connected you through, to you throughout this life. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. Amen. And now God, by his counsels, guide, uphold you, and with his sheep securely fold you. Amen.